Hello and welcome to the worst team up ever. This is the Falcon and Winter Soldier after show, uh, Winter Soldier after show, I should say. Uh, every week that's a problem for me. If only it had been called something else. Um, I'm Paul and I'm here with Liz, uh, who is our MCU expert and indeed Marvel expert. Uh, and, and I suspect Liz is going to be leaning quite heavily on your wide knowledge of the Marvel Universe this week. Um, because I've certainly got a couple of questions about characters popping up and, and things like that. Uh, but a fantastic episode this week, really kind of um, putting the pressure on. Yeah. Now, now we're, we're nearly at the end. Um, so, I mean, picking up from last week's episode, John Walker, of course, has been seen burying the shield in someone's head um, quite publicly on foreign soil. Um, which is, is, you know, a, a no-no for the American military as well as, I, I would say, uh, um, a lot of other facets. And it, it's interesting because this show, the, the, you know, the show has kind of commented on, as Dan Bussey pointed out last week, that it's kind of commented on the way that powerful nations act in, in other people's countries, which is an interesting thing because... Now we flipped it from Wakanda to America, so to speak. Um, but certainly, I don't think the new Captain America embodying the kind of ideals that Captain America should embody. Um, and we're kind of straight into a uh, um, the kind of pickup from that episode where Bucky and Sam are, are there to take the shield now. They, they want it back because they can see that that walker isn't the man to be carrying that shield um and representing uh you know everything that it's supposed to embody um how, how did you feel about this this kind of opening sequence which was quite a barnstormer you know it was good. oh yeah i mean you know uh you know it, like the character of john walker he's an interesting character like you know i mean he's really hateable on many levels uh but at this on the same token uh, you know, that, that scene we get, you know, shortly after this one, you know, um, really kind of drives home the point that he is what the American military made him. Mm. Um, and unfortunately that, you know, that comes with the accolades, but it also comes with the PTSD. It also comes with, you know, the sort of shady protocols, you know, that have been drilled into him and the choices he's had to make, uh, as a soldier, uh, the, the the things he was given medals for, he explicitly said, were things that you know were shameful to him, and you know that that he's haunted by, and you know he described it as the worst day of his life. So you have to assume that you know he had to do some grim and horrible stuff, and that obviously hasn't left him, you know. Uh, and so when they selected him to represent America, they selected somebody that they created. Um, for better or worse, and in his case, worse. Yeah, I mean, he, he you know, he's a he's a very complex character because on a on a humane kind of compassionate level, you want to be sympathetic towards him, but also, I, I guess, once you put on that uniform, not the American military uniform, but the Captain America uniform, 
um that sort of um and excuse the phrasing here but kind of common compassion goes out the window because you're dealing with superheroes which you know and that is a good example for the way that people treat military now i remember the writer richard price who, who wrote color of money and 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 wrote a bunch of fantastic books um latterly clockers and and things like that very fascinating kind of uh, new york writer i would say um he he once said of, of people like priests and cops is the difference between priests and cops and other people is that once you find out you're talking to a priest or a cop you never forget that you're talking to a priest or a cop and i would say the same is it, it can be said for the military and i guess in the fictional world i guess you could say the same if one, once you know you're talking to captain america right you're absolutely. never going to forget you talk to captain like, you know the suit and the shield they they mean something mm. uh, to anyone he interacts with and that was the you, the, you know zemo mm. pointed that out on the plane you know is uh, you know um, people begin to, you know, forget that you're a human being yeah. and see you as, you know, as an icon. And, you know, if you're going to wear that shield and you're going to wear that, that suit, you, you know, you then have a responsibility to live up to that. Mm -hmm. um, and Walker, you know, he obviously just was not prepared. Uh, and he obviously was not the right man for the job, no matter how much he wants to be. Yeah, and it's interesting when I, you know I'm thinking now about that the title of the first Captain America movie, the first Avenger, and I, I, I'm thinking about what that really means, and also it doesn't just mean oh yes, the first team member of the Avengers. It, it, it actually means that yes, it's the first one who set out those kind of ideals and and those kind of morals, and 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 again, it's one of the things that makes him such a great character. Um, and again, you're not you're now not dealing with the Avengers, um, as uh, Stark points out in in kind of jokingly in in kind of Endgame. You're dealing with the the Prevengers, uh, you know, <laughs> the Revengers. They're not really, you know, he's not being an Avenger there. What he's being is something very different. Um, and, and you know, revenge is never necessarily the best reason to do anything. And he was entirely driven by, by kind of revenge in, in that moment. Um, but at the same time, yes, he he's been tasked with a mission, and and, and one assumes pressurized to complete that mission no matter what, and yet not really given parameters by which he can't operate or, or, or should operate. He's just told go and do that thing. The fight scene I found fascinating because um, certainly in the staging and the scoring of it, because you heard the theme kind of reorchestrated civil war all over again. Um, right. You know, between Bucky, uh, you know, the tech hero that is uh, Sam Wilson and cap, except we're now fighting from different ends here. We, we, you know, they're, they're all fighting for different morals even, I guess. Um, so that, that was great. And, and I, I, you know, hats off to Henry Jackman every week. Uh, Henry Jackman is the guy that scored Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War um, and has done a fantastic job in this. But, you know, good on him for reusing the Civil War theme. Uh, yeah. Just completely yeah. reused. Yeah, and the there, as you pointed yes, out. Yes, yes. Um, parallels 
to that fight in uh, the Siberian bunker with mm. uh, Bucky, Cap, and Tony, uh, including the moment um, where you have Captain America, um, you know, about to bring the shield down, uh, you know, where in Civil War, uh, Steve smashes Tony's arc reactor. Mm. And in this, uh, Walker is about to take Sam's head off with it. You know, so as much as we, you know, we could feel some degree of like compassion, uh, you know, for for the loss of his friend and maybe, you know, the reason he snapped and killed that flag smasher, um, you know, he's now kind of taken it, you know, to another level where he's a law unto himself and he was really ready in that moment to kill Sam. Uh, and if Bucky hadn't stopped him, he would have done. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, and of course, I, I found quite the emotion in... in uh... Uh, Walker breaking the wings, um, yeah. and that that was kind of you know <laughs> that's quite heartbreaking, really. <laughs> it was, it was, but it was also kind of a definitive moment for Sam because mm. uh, what happened there was you know that whole interaction mm. kind of really helped push him in the direction of realizing how much you know. Uh, had gone wrong since he gave up the shield. And in a way, the breaking of the wings, uh, you know, has sort of set him on the path to leave those behind, which he does with Torres later in the episode. Um, you know, when he brings the broken wings back, um, Torres, you know, keeps asking what happened to them and he doesn't really answer. Mm -hmm. But then when he's leaving, he says, you know, don't you want to take your wings with you. And he's like, no, you keep them, which is actually, um, you know, kind of a pivotal thing. Yes. To understand the dynamics in the comics because Flores, um, during Nick Spencer's Captain America run, wherein Sam is Captain America, Torres was the Falcon during that time. Yeah. So, mm. you know, it's a mantle passing. And so, you know, as, as heartbreaking as that moment was, it sets up a new dynamic for Sam. Absolutely. Um, and, and there's plenty of new dynamics kind of entering in. And in fact, uh, in ways that I'll get into, um, this episode is about people accepting mantles and the new dynamic. Carly accepts the new dynamic that's kind of been given to her, which is she is the villain. Um, and of course, Big reveal, Sharon kind of, you know, I mean, okay. we're getting into some interesting territory with Sharon here. We are. We are. Um, we still don't know if she's the power broker because we also have another candidate in this episode for the power broker. Yeah. So, uh, so Sharon, she's not in this episode very much. But uh, the moments with her count for a lot because yes. we found some interesting things about Sharon. Uh, we find out that she is the one who helped Batrock get out of prison um, and that, you know, she paid him for at least one job. And we don't know if that job is the one that, uh, you know, we saw in episode one mm. um, where he was, uh, you know, where he had hijacked that plane and was escaping with one of the soldiers. Uh, we, we do know that uh, he's really angry at Sam. Uh, for foiling his plans there and losing him a bunch of money and that he, you know, is, uh, he's after Sam now. Uh, but we find out that Sharon is is paying him to do a job. Uh, she's paying him to, uh, to present the flag smash smashers with some sort of resources. So that's an interesting twist. Now, because, are I, sorry, go on. 
Well, because if Sharon is the power broker, why would she be uh, supplying the Flag Smashers with any kind of resources unless she's planning to, you know, betray them somehow? Um, so there's some contradictory things going on with Sharon. You know, okay, so what would her incentive be to uh, to help the Flag Smashers if mm -hmm. uh, been seeing that they've been regularly receiving messages from the power broker saying, I want my serum back? Well, I mean, it could be that she isn't helping them. We, we don't know what those devices will do, if anything, that, they, that, that Batrock hands off to, to Carly. Um, we don't know that Sharon isn't still uh, an agent for good and is, in fact, just using the, the, the pieces on the board as, as she wants them. I'm still holding out, out hope. Although, again, I think it's equally interesting to have her... Uh, sort of go dark as it is to have her operating, you know, undercover. Um, I think both of those things present a, a kind of interesting jumping off, off point and a more fascinating dynamic for the, the show. But... What, yeah, what do you... So what's your money on? Is Sharon the power? I, I, I still don't know. I still don't know. I still don't know because it could be we, we're introduced to a, to a brand new character in this episode. We are um, now. Can you help me out with this? It's okay. Contessa, um, so, Contessa, Valentina, Allegra, De La Fontaine, aka she's had many AKAs, but um, two of them are very particularly interesting okay. uh, when it comes to this show. Fantastic! So, Give it to me. Um, all right. So, um, this character was kind of introduced as a love interest of Nick Fury's. Um, she, you know, for, for many, many years, she, you know, kind of had an on and off thing with Fury. She was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Now, Sharon, uh, as we know, is known as Agent 13. Uh, uh, Val was Agent 14. Uh, so, there was, you know, kind of an interesting dynamic between her and Sharon in that whenever Fury would kind of, you know, go off on one of his secret missions and leave, you know, Val in the dust uh, and she wanted to annoy him, she would flirt with Captain America. Uh, and, you know, so obviously they, she it's kind of set up this frosty dynamic between her and Sharon on a personal level, uh, but they worked together. Uh, so for a very long time, you know, she, you know, she was a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent operating under Fury, um, romantically involved with Fury, and then way, way, way later down the line, uh, it was revealed that she was actually, and had been the entire time, uh, a Russian double agent. All right, okay. And um, in, she is also well-known by another very well-known mantle that has been passed from several different characters, which is oh. Matt Hydra. Ah, okay. Interesting. Right, yeah. mm -hmm. So, so you know, they could be taking this character either way. Is she an agent for Shield? Uh, are they going to stick with that, uh, or is she actually Madame Hydra? Because mm. I mean, technically, there's no more Shield, no more Hydra. Um, Theoretically, yeah. I, both of those. Do you do you think either of those things don't exist? Because I think they both. Exist I yeah. I mean, 
you know, there's there's been various, you know, storylines where basically Nick Fury was operating, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. from, you know, the source, basically. Like, you know, whether or not it was meant to legally exist, uh, you know, it carried on, as would HYDRA. You know, neither mm. one of them could possibly just be stamped out um, as simply as that. So my suspicion, um, because of the way she approached Walker um, and because of the way she essentially is trying to recruit him, knowing what he's done, is that she is aligned with Hydra. Um, so, you know, I, my, my guess is that I, I have a lot of theories about what they're going to do with her, basically. I don't okay. think it's as simple as she's she's the power broker, even though I think there's a very good chance she is the power broker. Mm -hmm. um, I think there's more, you know, I, I don't think that this is a character we're just going to see once. I think right. uh, they're setting up something big with her, which I will happily talk to you about, um, you know, but uh, but do, tell me tell me what you're thinking about, Val. No, no, I, I, I think you're entirely right. Um, I, I think it's entirely possible without knowing who she was. I, I, it's not a character I, I know. Like, I've certainly heard the name Madame Hydra, but I, I you know, I've got no idea who she is, uh, given my... Sure, yeah, I mean, there have been numerous Madame Hydras, but... Uh, you know, she, this particular uh, iteration of Madame Hydra is interesting uh, for, you know, for multiple reasons. I don't know if I want to, you know, give you too much information because it's, you know, it's a lot of stuff that may not even be pertinent to this show, but right. uh, but may be pertinent to what they do with the character further on. Okay. Well, no, spill it. I, I, I you know, you can say. Okay. All right. So one thing that, you know, that happened in the comics was that during Secret Invasion, she was revealed to be a scroll. Okay. Um, by Fury. So uh, so that's one possibility. We know they're doing Secret Invasion. So, you know, that's one thing, one direction they could take her. Um, another is, I mean, they've, they've put Julia Louis-Dreyfus in the role. I mean, like, yeah. they're not gonna, it's like, a, it's a big actor. A character that, you know, an actress that they only want to use once. And it's great. It's it's great that continuing that tradition of uh, comedians playing Hydra agents because they had Gary Shandling in in uh, uh, a couple of the movies there, and um, so it, it's great. That <laughs> I mean, yeah, she's. I mean, she's such a terrific actress. She's you know she's hilarious. Even the the few moments we had with her, she was very funny. Uh, while also, you know, coming across as sort of mysterious, maybe a bit sinister. Um, but, you know, her big mouthful of a name, like the the joke yeah. she sort of made, like, yeah, so call me Val. But don't call me Val. Just keep yeah. it. <laughs> I mean, she, yeah, uh, she, you know, her scene, her scene was really memorable uh, in the episode. And, uh, you know, I, I was, I knew there was going to be a big cameo. You know, they had talked up a cameo in this movie, you know, in this episode, uh, rather. And I had, you know, my own theories. I kind of thought, okay, maybe we'll see like old man Steve, you know, which I thought could have been pretty cool. But I thought yeah, I like I I I think they'll save old man Steve for for the final episode for like a, a little epilogue. Um, I, I'd love to see him again, though. Like, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I mean, so so I just had no idea what that. You know, I like that that was just a theory, but. Uh, I never would have guessed in a million years it would be uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus playing this character. Mm. 
but that was a real treat. And, you know, my mind, of course, immediately started worrying in all directions. Uh, and so I've got, I've got like a, a whole theory about what they're going to do with her. Okay. Uh, like spell it. It's what we're here for. Speculation. Oh, okay. okay. All right. So we see her approach Walker. Um, you know, we see her give her her shady business card. Um, you know, she tells him you're gonna pick up the phone when I call. Uh, and so, you know, and we know that Walker is now on this villainous path. Mm. Um there's also another character in this episode, you know, who we, we have to talk about at length. Um, who we know is uh, being shipped off to the raft um, that I would very, you know, I, that has, okay, there's there's a significance um, to his character too that I think could be pertinent to my theory. Which so Zemo. Is, I, yeah, so Zemo. I think that, you know, and, and uh, I keep cutting myself off, but I keep like remembering more things. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, her character was meant to be introduced in the Black Widow movie, um, originally. But because that kept getting delayed, 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 um, you know, they've introduced her here first. Uh, so what I see her as is basically, um, like a new, like you know, in in much the same way as we had the Phase One Nick Fury recruiting Avengers. I think that we're going to see her recruiting a Thunderbolts. So we know characters who've been, you know, involved with the Thunderbolts, like Zemo's the big one, but, yeah. uh, but also John Walker has, has, you know, uh, an involvement with the Thunderbolts. Um, uh, Yelena from the Black Widow movie, she has been involved in the Thunderbolts team. Um, basically, it seems like a lot of the characters that they're reintroducing, you know, uh, that they've announced will be popping up in a bunch of their various product, you know, projects they're rolling out are characters who could, you know, are villains we've met in the past, like Blonsky and Ghost. Um, that I I feel like she is going to be like recruiting, uh, you know, a villains team. Now That's we know. We know Blonsky is coming back, mm -hmm. apparently for She-Hulk. Yeah, I believe it is. Or is it She-Hulk? It's 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 one of those. I, I can't remember. It's been so long since the the stuff right. was kind of flew out there. And the raft now isn't the raft home to some of the villains from Spider-Man: Homecoming? The raft, uh, yes, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Vulture's on the raft. Yeah. Uh, and scorpion too then yeah i think so um but the raft is just you know i mean th that's that's where you stick marvel villains uh, and that's where they always escape from somehow mm. or other so you know <laughs> my you know my dream is like uh you know that that you know she basically we're going into this sort of flip on the on the you know nick fury's role in phase one could be uh, yeah you know so Fingers crossed, basically. But, I mean, do, do you see Zemo with his kind of anti-superhuman stance working with some of those guys? Because I'm not sure he would. Well, I think... At least a, a, in this in this iteration. Do you know what I mean? Right. I get that. I think that Zemo does what's best for Zemo. If it leads him to his ends, he will do... You know, he'll work with anyone. He You know, he worked with Sam and Bucky. And, uh, you know, and that delivered him you know to uh 
exactly where he wanted to be. It helped him complete, you know, a part of his mission, his person, you know, so I mean, it, it, you know, you see that, you know, uh, I think it was a big statement when they showed that he had been reading Machiavelli, um, you know, because it tells you a lot about his character. Um, you know, the the sort of, Mar you know, Machiavellian attitude isn't necessarily to do what's immoral. Uh, it's to do what's sort of amoral and to, you know, whatever works best for your own interests, mm -hmm. uh, you know, so if it's in your interest to help someone else or to work with someone, you know, who you dislike or, you know, uh, but if it brings you to your best possible outcome, then he will do it. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I love the scene between him and Bucky because I, oh, I genuinely yeah. like I, I would have been disappointed if they killed him off. Like, oh, I really I, would have been annoyed. Devastating. Um, like, you know, I mean, he's become like, you know, I mean, because, of course, in Civil War, I thought he was a great villain. But I think that, you know, they've really, you know, just kind of added so much to his character here. You really get to see what he's like, um, you know, like as a person. And, you know, and and they, they've just turned him into like, you know, such a, you know, interesting, complex villain. Like, uh, and people have really embraced him. He's like, you know, sort of totally blown up on, you know, like mm. Twitter and Tumblr and all that stuff. Like, you know, I mean, the, the, the Zemo dance gif, like, you know, just is in my feed every, you know, two seconds. Um, but, you know, in this episode, we got to see something really interesting, um, you know, in that moment between him and Bucky, because like Zemo this whole time has been sort of like goading Bucky and testing Bucky and like sort of trying to prove his own theory that, you know, uh, super soldiers, you know, you know, it will always end badly. Mm. Um, you know, apart from Steve, which he acknowledged that Steve, you know, was the exception to the rule. Um, and so the whole time he's been like subtly sort of trying to push Bucky in the direction of sort of giving in to his winter soldier uh, instincts you know, in that fight in the bar in Madripoor, you know, he was literally, you know, Z Zemo basically kind of instigated a fight just to get Bucky to go into Winter Soldier mode. Yeah. Um, and and you know, noted how easily he slipped back into the role. And, you know, and they've, you know, it's it's a recurring theme, you know, uh, that, uh, you know, Sam, Sam even asked him, you know, well, if that's how you feel, if you feel like, uh, you know, no super soldiers should be allowed to live, what about Bucky? But then it, he goes to the Sokovian Memorial, knowing that Bucky will follow follow him there, uh, and is literally waiting for him to show up. Uh, and you know, could have gone anywhere else, but chose to stay and wait for Bucky. And again, he kind of tries to goad him into killing him. Mm. Um, you know, at, you know, it'll be, basically for him, it would be killing two birds with one stone because. Sure. He, you know, he had proven at the end of Civil War that he want, you know, he wanted to just join his family. He was going to kill himself. Um, but, you know, to get Bucky to do it would be sort of a, a poetic statement on, you know, his whole agenda. Uh, you know, so he, you know, he's waiting, you know, he, he gives Bucky like a little nod when Bucky points the gun at him, uh, you know, basically saying, go ahead and do it. Uh, but Bucky shows how much character growth he's achieved by not 
not shooting him, but proving, proving that he, you know, he isn't what Zemo thinks he is. Yeah. And then of course, after this, we get this beautiful sequence with um, Sam, you know, mobilizing uh, a community to, to help repair the, the boat, which has been a kind of, constant spectre lying in there in, in the outskirts of the show throughout the entire season so so ostensibly they can sell this boat now i love this sequence because what it says is the buck uh, that sam and carly are the same except that whereas carly will commune uh, uh, mobilize a community to to do something negative and destructive Sam will do it to, to as an act of creation, you know. And yes, we can get into like the, the the kind of philosophical aspects of how destruction is creation and and all that. And and I, I kind of agree with that. However, I, I think it's beautiful here that the, the thing that he does. And and of course, then it's it it's added to by Bucky turning up. Um, yeah. Uh, and of course, flirting with uh, Sam's sister. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I mean, because um, you know, like that's the first time we see Bucky kind of slip back into um, the Bucky he was in First Avenger. You know, who yeah. like you know, flirted with girls and you know liked to you know try try to get Steve to go on but, double dates with him. And but also, you get a sense with Buck that that and indeed Sam that there's a weight off their shoulders now. They're actually being excused by the government. And, and told to bugger off is basically kind of giving them a chance to kind of relax and, and, and take the tension off. Um, and I, and I love that because it's the most relaxed we've seen either of them throughout the entire season. And remember, this is a long episode, by the way, guys, I mean, like the, the, it, we're, we're over an hour for this one, I think just, um, not for this show though, I hope. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and yeah, they, they're kind of both more relaxed. They're both more content in themselves. And, and Sam's sister makes an interesting decision as they finish the boat, which is we're not going to sell the boat, even though that's been our whole thing throughout the entire season. Sell the boat, sell the boat, sell the boat. We're not going to sell the boat. And following on from that, sorry, I will get to a point on this. I, I do actually have a point I'm trying to reach. Um, Following on from that, we see Sam begin training with the shield. Now, this is kind of a bit of a weird moment because it, it, it's it, it's a bit like Luke's training in uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, <laughs> yeah, he kind of gets all those skills in, is it a day, is it four days, five, that we don't know. Um, but I love that training sequence. And, and also... Part of that stuff, that moment where he kind of does mobilise his community and does ask for help, which is the important thing, is he asks for help because throughout the entire season, he's been refuting help. He's been saying to Bucky, stay away from this. I don't want your help. I don't want you involved. I don't want anyone involved. And even Torres is really only there to serve his needs, you know, with you know, tech support, if you like, and, and and info. He's not really there. He doesn't really want him helping as such. Um, and in the bank, we see him kind of take over the conversation and try and, you, you know, try and swagger his way into a loan and and all that stuff. 
So he throughout the entire season, he's been re refuting help. And what he does in that moment where he picks up the phone and, and, and sort of, as he says, calls in those favours, is I think he becomes Captain America in that that's what Cap would have done. That's what Steve would have done. And I, I think that he is... It, it, that's the kind of spirit I think you probably would have seen back in World War Two, which is one of community first, not myself, uh, you know, and it's that sort of stuff. And I, I think in that moment for me, he becomes Captain America. And then even more so in that fantastic training sequence, which I absolutely loved. Um, it's a great, great sequence. Um, and I, I'm glad I, I called it right there. The, the the stuff you saw in the trailer with the shield bouncing around off trees was all from like the last, right, <laughs> the last yeah. sort of stretch. Um, although I, I I thought he wouldn't have become Captain America until the very end, but yeah, you know I'm pleased to see it here. I mean, you know, we I think um, you know we're gonna see him become Captain America in the next episode. Yeah. Um, really, you know, I think, uh, I think emotionally he's reached that point where he's kind of ready to accept the mantle, but, uh, but you know, we haven't seen him in a costume yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, now do you reckon that's what's in the box? Do we, they, they don't reveal what's in the suitcase. Well, that Bucky brings. So, yeah. My, my suspicion, because, you know, uh, it's, it's a gift from the Wakandans, you know, Bucky called in a favor. My guess is that we're going to get a vibranium suit because obviously Sam, you know, uh, he's, you know, very skilled fighter. He's got right. training, but at the same time, you know, he is, you know, he doesn't have superpowers. No. Um, so he would need something super protective, you know, and we know like, you know, what amazing things the Black Panther suit could do. Uh, so, you know, the way I see it, it's like, okay, so this would be a perfect costume for him. Um, if it was made of vibranium, uh, you know, because it would protect him, it would give him some, you know, uh, some physical advantages that he doesn't have naturally. Mm. Um, I wonder if possibly it might it's... even have vibranium wings or something. Yeah. So I would die if it was the suit. Do you know what I mean? The 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 Black Panther suit in a way. Um, well, it's not going to be the Black because Panther. I no, I know, you know what I mean. Like I, I like. I, I still don't know what they're going to do there with, with that, you know, Marvel. I mean, it's, it's really unfortunate. Um, and, and you know, Chadwick Boseman is such a fantastic actor. Um, but anyway, like, I, I mean, okay, so what, what I'm trying to get to with this is uh, Sam's sister won't sell the boat. Now, Sam picks up the shield and decides that ostensibly that it's going to be Captain America. Um, Carly takes on the role of the villain that people have been saying she is effectively. I think what she's committing now isn't, is it, isn't, you know, if it wasn't before, it certainly is now an, an act of terrorism and she knows it. Right. And I think that sinister scene where, you, you know, everyone in the park in New York, sort of gets up and it's like it tells you how far the tendrils go just like hydra and of course that that later on that moment in the the kind of uh, uh grc building where um it's sort of one i can't remember what the saying is one one, one world uh, sorry one world one people yeah now that isn't really any different from how hydra 
Yeah, it was uh, very, I'll, I'll... It was very Hail Hydra that moment. <laughs> yeah. Um... Because, uh, you know, we saw that one of the guys who had been in the park was actually, you know... Uh, one of the guys at the... Yeah. One of the guys at the GRC. And, of course, we have to jump forward... Sorry, just just for me to try and get to this point, I'm I'm really sorry. Going to have to jump right forward to the the mid credit scene, where we see uh, Walker building a new shield. Um, now, the point I want to make is that what you have these guys doing is accepting legacy and making it their own. Every character, every character, Bucky accepts who he is, the Winter Soldier, but he he's going to make it his own. Um, uh, Sam accepts the legacy of Captain America, but he's going to make it his own. Sarah accepts the legacy of her family's business and, and their livelihood, but she's going to make it her own. Um, and, of course... Um, Carly accepts that kind of community leader role fully now that, that maybe Mama Donya would have had, uh, but she's going to make it her own in the most sinister way possible. So I, I think what this, and again, it's what the kind of the series has been about, which is take a legacy, strip it back down and rebuild it. Um, and then that might be good. That might be bad. Um, but I think, obviously, in Carly's case, it's going to be really bad. <laughs> yeah, even the symbolism uh, with the boat, you know. Uh, yeah. It's like, you know, strip it down, rebuild it. Yeah, uh, you know? uh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's so, so many very interesting themes uh, kind of going on, uh, you know, within the show. Mm. Uh, you know, it's so kind of textured with, uh, you know, with different ideas about politics, about race, um, about... Uh, legacy it's it's really you know i mean it, the further in we get the clearer it becomes you know kind of what they're trying to say with it and mm. it's really fascinating stuff it's you know i mean the writing is just top notch um absolutely you know, yeah the character work is top notch uh you know i mean uh, that we can't really talk about this episode without talking about the conversation between uh isaiah bradley and sam which was a great scene um and you really get a sense of the tragedy that, that Bradley's gone through. And um, I, I actually didn't realise that that actor, I can't remember if we talked about it before, is, is Carl Lumley, who uh, is is quite a famous... He's, he's done a ton of television. And um, he, he, of course, for me, he, he was always one of the detectives in Cagney and Lacey when I was growing up. He's a terrific actor. Um, and just very physically imposing guy. He's, he's a really big guy. Um and I, I would love it if by the end he, he kind of comes through for because as he mentioned, he doesn't exist. Like that—that's the weird, the horrible thing you find out is that he, technically speaking, at least as far as America is concerned, he doesn't exist. And and and, and there's a lot in there. Oh in yeah, there kind of you know, and that needs to be addressed and should be addressed. And I'm glad the show is at least bring it up because I, I don't always think it's important for art to have answers. I think it's more important for art to ask questions. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, it, it does, I mean, it does, mm. you know, and, um, and, and it gives you different perspectives, you know, I mean, Sam goes in and, you know, trying, trying to understand, you know, 
why, you know, he he's asks Bradley, like, you know, well, so what, why didn't you try to do what Steve Rogers did? And, you know, the answer is really sad, you yeah. know, like at that time, you know, uh, he and Steve Rogers, you know, were both essentially given, you know, the same powers and his experience was horrible mm. where the world embraced Steve and, uh, and, you know, sadly, you know, it, it was because of his race and, you yeah, know, and it, he described it, Steve as like, you know, the great white hope with, you know, blonde hair and blue eyes. And, uh, the person that, uh, the U S government selected to replace Steve was exactly, you know, exactly that blonde hair, blue eyes, but was he the man for the job? Like no. you know, maybe he looked the part, but you know, was he the man for the job? No. Well, uh, so I think Sam, you know, kind of walks out of there uh, wanting to prove Bradley wrong, you know, because Bradley says like what self, you know, they'll never let there be a black Captain America. And even if they did, what self-respecting black man would want yeah. to. Yeah, which uh, is a, a very damning line, especially for Sam. And, and I mean, I, I think the series will end with, with Sam bringing Bradley's case to light. I, I, I think he'll, he'll expose what, what went on there. And uh, I think that that'll be a fascinating way to take it. Um, but yeah, like it is very tragic, and and I, I absolutely love that that this episode. I mean, there's so much in this episode. It is. It's packed. It's just packed. Yeah. Like, um, you know, uh, before I forget, little detail. Um, I I don't know if you know this, but uh, but they're like you know, there's like a subtle um, uh, character introduction in this uh, you know, in the series in the last time we saw Bradley and in this, um. Uh, in his grandson, Eli okay. Bradley. So right. uh, that is a Young Avengers character called Patriot. Oh, okay. So I did not know. That. In the comics, um, you know, he is the grandson of Bradley and he, you know, sort of winds up with super soldier powers. I. It's funny that they, I think they're just about to reissue Alan Heiberg's first. Young Avengers volume, which I think is, is called, yeah, like, I think is called Secrets Identity or something like that. I can't remember what the, the name of the book is. Um, it, well, I mean, like, I because I've got that, but it's you know, it's just well, Young Avengers. But funny, I Liz. There. <laughs> Actually, I've got it right now. <laughs> <laughs> True. So I, I've got your, I've got your copy right here. Um, but um, that's that's being reissued. I think it's either out now or it's about to be reissued. Um, I mean, they've been slowly rolling out all these young Avengers characters without, mm. like, you know, uh, without explicitly sort of, you know, saying so. Uh, they they've introduced, uh, you know, Billy and Tommy in One Division. They've introduced Cassie Lang, mm. uh, you know, as as uh, you know Scott Lang's daughter. Um, you know, now they've introduced Patriot. Um, I'm sure there's more like, uh, you know, so, so basically they've set up the whole young Avengers team without even having to yeah. try very hard. Um, so, you know, I, I fully expect that to happen. Uh, and of course we have Kate Bishop running oh, around yeah, as well, Bishop, which is important, you know. starting late this year. Um, so yeah, fascinating stuff happening. Um, I, I did not know about Eli Radley, uh, obviously because just not 
that clued up on the Marvel Universe. Well, I mean, um, you'll miss it kind of thing because, like, they don't even call him Eli, but, you know, the, he's the one who answered the door and didn't really want to let them yeah. in the first time. And then he was outside in this episode playing basketball and specifically says, oh, yeah, my, or, you know, my grandfather. So, you mm. know, that's got to be him. And he, he does say to Sam, which, you know, now you think, could he back, back it up? He does actually say, oh, I'll be, I'll be back there too. As if to kind of say to Sam, you know, don't try anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there. So maybe he's got the physical chops to back it up. You know, he's right. got, uh, he could, could have that super soldier serum running in his veins. Um, okay. uh, yeah, I mean, great stuff. I, I loved every minute of this one. Um, so we, we got a comment uh, last week from, uh, I believe, Lady M05, uh, who said, based on our conversation about, is there a character that suffered more than uh, Bucky? Uh, and, and, and she feels um, that it's uh, Wanda, because her suffering started way back when she was a child. Um, so yeah, like that, that, that's that's certainly food for thought there. What do you think? Um, uh, I mean, yeah, Wanda's had it pretty rough. Like, you know, I mean, if we're talking about comics uh, as well, you know, like, uh, you know, it depends on if you're kind of going with her, uh, you know, MCU biography or her comics biography. I mean, either way you slice it, Wanda's had a pretty tough time. Right. Uh, you know, can't be denied. Uh, and Bucky, yeah, I mean, Bucky had a pretty good life up until he, you know, went to the army and fell to his supposed yeah. death. Um, I, you know, it's it's a tough one. I would argue, I, you know, I'm still I'm still like Team Bucky here because, like, you know, <laughs> shocker, <laughs> surprise, <laughs> a bloody prize, you know, like brainwash. <laughs> forced to be like a murderer you know like uh like just kind of had his memories erased like you know like uh, i mean he's very very traumatized person i mean wanda too i mean you know i think that you know if you're going to make an argument for a character who could have had it worse than bucky like wanda is a pretty good argument because uh i mean you know like basically you know brother dies you know her you know true love dies like i mean every you know she has to do it herself at one point like actually kill him um you know just i mean uh you know the the, the trauma that she and pietro felt from stark and then being turned into a weapon so i mean yeah she's 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 had a tough old time i mean you know which is why i totally uh you know forgive her for you know creating a fake world for herself to live in you know it's just like I get it. I think we can agree that Bucky and Wanda have, uh, have both had, you know, both both really had some lousy cards dealt to them in life. But, uh, you know, it now seems like they're both moving on uh you know in one one hopefully hopes. you know hopefully a positive direction for both of them mm. okay so, all right well I mean, I, 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 we see bucky smile in a really long time yes. like genuinely smile like um you know that moment on the couch when he wakes up in the wilson house and the little kids are playing with the shield i thought that was just so sweet like you know because uh, you know, the Bucky we met in episode one was still sleeping on the floor in like a furnitureless room uh you know like and you know, 
didn't want anyone around him, didn't want to let anyone in. And like, you know, this, uh, it was like a really nice moment. He wakes up, the two little kids are playing, you know, nearby with the shield. And he's, you know, he's actually sleeping on a piece of furniture. He's sleeping on their couch. So, you know, he's, he's like, yeah, I mean, he, you can see that Bucky has made some, uh, some strides uh, toward wanting to be part of the world again. Uh, and that, you know, he's starting to heal. And that's, you know, that's what I think uh, his arc in this show is all about. Yeah, I, I think I think that'll be a, a good thing. I mean, whether or not we can still call him the Winter Soldier uh, after that. But maybe, like, uh, you know, except... You know, I feel like he could reclaim that title, yeah. you know, without mm. it being a bad thing. You know, like you said about reinventing yourself. Uh, and you know, and making a legacy your own. You know, the the title. You know, the title Winter Soldier doesn't have to be you know a bad thing that defines him. You know, it could he could turn it into something good. Yeah, totally. I, I think you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right there. Um, yeah, fantastic episode. Can't wait for next Friday when we'll get that our, our finale. Um, I don't doubt we'll have a lot talk about then um if you want to join in the conversation please do leave a comment in the uh in the section below um if you want to help us keep going check out the links below for the website the help us grow section um which will take you to our patreon our web shop um uh and our donations button because look all of that helps us keep doing this and helps us keep discussing comics and comic book movies uh, and we literally can't do it without that so uh yeah do give us a hand guys if you can um but do like share and subscribe and uh that that in the bare, barest minimum way will, will help us keep going um and tune in every week because we're going to have new episodes we got something new coming up which i hope by next week we'll be able to announce um and then of course in june we've got uh our loki show we don't know what the loki show is going to be called yet we haven't picked a title normally normally by now i'd have a title for that but we'll i figure don't it we'll figure yeah, it out we'll figure but, it out we'll figure uh, it out yeah we'll we will be very very excited to talk about that but uh in the meantime yes well, uh, well, one we- of us will you could probably do that show on your own liz i think <laughs> what happened this week guys <laughs> um, um we've only got one episode left so please yeah. uh please share your thoughts with us um i would love to know uh if anybody else has got theories about who the power broker is um you know where do you fall uh you know on on you know your theories about who the power broker is is it sharon mm-hmm. carter is it Val? Is it someone else? Um, that is one of the pressing questions that I am really curious about to hear other people's theories. Yeah. Um, and do you think they're building up to a Thunderbolts? There's a lot of there's a lot of scuttlebutt online uh, at the moment about Thunderbolts. Um, oh, we're looking at a show with William Hurt and uh, a bunch of the other characters. Um, I'd I'd be curious I, i'm not sure it's something i see thunderbolt ross doing now 
Well, I mean, I think that, well, you know, Engay might have changed his mind. With, you know, yeah. I mean, if you're going with his, you know, kind of comic storyline, I, you know, I could see it happening. Mm. Uh, you know, and they can really do what they want with him. He's been around for, you know, nearly the entire time. I think he was introduced in um, the Ed Norton Hulk film, wasn't he? Or possibly even Iron Man 1? No, uh, it, it, definitely in the Ed Norton, Ed Hulk, Norton film. Hulk film. Yeah, I didn't know he could have um, been in the after credit scene. But yeah, I mean, he's been around since basically the beginning. Uh, you know, and I would love to see them do something with his character. I would love to see him, like, involved in the Thunderbolts team. And uh, mm. so, yeah, please, uh, you know, uh, anyone watching... Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on some of these questions. Uh, so please leave comments and uh, and we'll all know by next week. But, you know. Yeah. And we will, like, um, I, I, we do everything we can to answer all the comments and to at least bring them up on, on the next week's show or to, to answer them in the comment section. So I'm always keeping an eye on that and I will jump on and, and, and talk about that. And, 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 of course, because a lot of it is Marvel-centric and I am more of a DC person than a Marvel person, and that's where my kind of knowledge base lies. Um, I'll probably turn a lot of that stuff over to Liz um, because she's the one with the know-how on on the, the Marvel um, comics. Um, but we will try and answer the comments. Um, I'm, I'm sure Liz and I will be... Uh, yeah, I'd, it's actually great to hear from people. One, to know that you're all watching beyond the, the numbers going up and things. Um but also, yeah, just to, it is a conversation. You are a community. We we would love to hear from you. Um, do check out the website, thecomiccrush.com, where I put articles and there's podcasts. There'll be the uh, podcast version of this going out either later tonight or tomorrow. Um, if you're kind of watching it today, if not, it'll just be out there by the time you watch it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, thank you for listening if you're on the podcast version. It's always great to know that you guys are still out there listening as well. Um, we have just done a big podcast drop. So I have put all the episodes up to date of this show on. Uh, I put the um, last two episodes of Script and Pencils. I was really behind. I'm sorry, guys. Um, it's been a busy few weeks. And the latest from Panels to Pictures, which is Nikki and myself discussing the Snyder Cut. I still hope we're going to be able to come back and do a roundtable on the Snyder Cut, but as the weeks drift by, it gets further and further away, but uh, we, we're just trying to find a, a time to do that, because it is still part of the conversation. Um, there's a lot more videos coming. Next week, we've got an interview with um, the writer of uh, Kill Whitey Donovan, uh, which is a terrific book from Dark Horse. Uh, so that's coming up Wednesday. Right now on the YouTube channel, there is an interview with Erica Schultz about her new Kickstarter, The Deadliest Bouquet, which you can, uh, there'll be a link in the description of that video. You can click on and follow the progress of that. The Kickstarter, uh, Kickstarter launches 11th of May. But that's a really good interview. Erica and I had a lot of fun going wildly off topic <laughs> and talking about Cameron Crowe movies and uh, <laughs> cheeseburgers, but um, do do check that out. And there'll be new new videos every every week. Hopefully, Gemma will be back soon. Um, we've got one in the bank there, one one video in the bank ready to go. Um, but uh, Gemma and I have both had sort of scheduling conflicts over the last few weeks doing our, our other show, The Comics Touch. But yeah, there's going to be loads of stuff every week on the website, podcasts, videos everything um do tune in 
We'll catch you guys next time on the crutch. Huh? The crush, crush, crutch. <laughs> the crutches of what I need to be on after doing this. <laughs> um, um, but Liz, thank you very much for joining me again this week, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. <laughs>